and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessie Park Humphreys, joined today by a familiar voice, Tracy Brown. Um, but she's not here today to regale us with uh, hot takes, although maybe we'll get some of those. Who knows? But Tracy is here today to talk a bit about Tracy. Chelsea Pride and her work there. I always call it Tracy Pride, which maybe you should rename it. Whatever works. Tracy, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, and how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, So we wanted to do this episode because, if anyone doesn't know, February is LGBTQ plus History Month, um, and our FA Cup game against Arsenal at the weekend is going to be our football versus homophobia game, and we just wanted to have a little bit of a chat about um lgbtq plus representation within football in general and yeah the work that tracy does the work that chelsea pride does to kind of promote equality um across football so tracy i expect some listeners will be familiar with you um your work they should be familiar with you because you come on the show quite a lot um (laughs) but also you know seeing you around your work the work of chelsea pride but um can you start just for anyone who doesn't know by telling us you know what your kind of role is so basically, um, Chelsea Pride's been going nearly six years now, seven years. It's, it's a long time. Um, years just blur after a while. Um, <laughs> and we were basically set up because we have, we do have an abundance of uh, fans that are within the LGBTQ plus community. And some people do, don't feel safe actually going to football, definitely on the men's side more than the women's. Um, so basically, we started our group into into helping support people who were fans, giving them a community of fans they could speak to, go to football with, uh, just have fun with, basically. And from there, it's grown into doing a lot of work directly with the club in promoting equality, diversity, inclusion across not just what we do as a fan group, but what the club does and the process that the clubs have been through. And that's vastly improved in the work and the collaborations that we do together. So I'm chair of Chelsea Pride. Um, I think you pretty much nailed it there with Tracy Pride. <laughs> most, most people do see me as the sort of the front facing person um, of the group or hear my voice a lot on different it's, podcasts. I was going to say, it's surprising because you're so shy and retiring. <laughs> and I said, I joked with the club the other day, I said, maybe I should just pack it in and, and go away. And I was pretty much threatened that I can't do that. There may be legal action. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, too, it's taken my two big gloves. It's taken my passion for our club, um, be it the men's, women's, as the club as a whole. And then it's taken my passion for the for other community that I live within. So I get to merge both of those things. Which is great at times because we get to promote, you know, the good side of the community. But obviously, with the downside, we have all the homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia that comes with that. So that is basically us in a nutshell. And obviously, yes, it's LGBT History Month, and there's a lot going on, um, and a big game this weekend. <laughs> big, big game in itself. Let alone adding campaigns to the to the mix. Just a big weekend. Yeah, you were like, no one's interested in this game. This is going to be a great opportunity to <laughs> promote the work of football versus home favourite Chelsea Pride. Um, yeah, I want to go back a bit to, to you know, talking about why Chelsea Pride started and, and talking about that fan experience because for people who maybe don't go to games or even solely go to, to women's games, which I think is a very different environment to, to the men's game, um, they might be kind of surprised around what that experience can be like for LGBTQ people. Um, what 
what's kind of been your experience with that and and why why has it been so important to to work with the club around you know equality when it comes to attending matches i think you know there's there's a vast difference between the men's and the women's game um and over over many years within football there's been problems with racism anti-semitism homophobia um it sort of goes hand in hand and unfortunately after the lockdown these problems got 10 times worse when fans started to come back to the game there was almost this microaggression that come back with it and all the rules seemed to fly out the window so what we have done tirelessly is work with the club on looking at ways we can make the ground safer definitely at Stamford Bridge um Chelsea is known for a certain chance that is sung uh, at our men. Don't need to mention the name of it because it's not worth it. And we work tirelessly with Chris from Proudly Whites and many fan groups um, to get the law changed with the CPS. That was my big, big thing I wanted to do when we started Chelsea Pride. We were successful. It's now seen as a hate crime. Because it would be a hate crime on the streets, but apparently if you're in a football stadium, the rules were always slightly different. Um, so now we've got that rule change. It means that we can prosecute, which means we can actually start really pushing for actual change within men's football stadiums. And it isn't just our club. There's many problems across the men's game within football with, as I say, issues with homophobia and, and racism and anti-Semitism that we all need to campaign and work together with. Um, the collaboration with the club, though, has been amazing. So we do all the big campaigns. We do Rainbow Laces, Football v Homophobia now. We have an equality game. Um, but we do a lot of internal stuff as well with the club. Um, the club have a, you know, a wanton desire now with a new EDI manager who is a phenomenal person to work with at just promoting and making the grounds and safer in every way, shape or form. So education being the absolute key. Um and players who actually back a lot of our campaigns, which is hugely, hugely important going forward. So there's always more to do. Unfortunately, we're always going to have loads to do because it's homophobia within football. And I think the biggest thing I'm asked around the men's game is why do we not have any male, say, top flight English males come out um, within the game? I wouldn't. And it's painful for me to say that as, as a woman from this community. I wouldn't because I wouldn't feel safe. Um, if you hear homophobia consistently within the stands, why would you want to come out? Because we don't have an environment within the men's game at the moment that is very welcoming, I think, at times, um, to minority groups as a whole. And the women's game is very different. And I think the biggest thing we've got to look at is as the women's game grows and more people from the men's game start coming into the women's game and watching it, that we don't bring those same attitudes into a game where where the women's game is far better for equality. Yeah, that that's it's an interesting point and I think you know the the growth of the women's game has has seen a lot of things change in terms of that kind of fan atmosphere and expectations and and, and things like that. Um is that a is that a worry for you? Is that something that you've noticed changing do you think in terms of having a more negative atmosphere or an atm- atmosphere that replicates the men's game more because when no one's saying right we want everyone at a women's game to you know like sit and be quiet and we want everyone to be noisy but there there are certain um habits or behaviors which i guess is as you say even about the 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 chant that you know in the street would be seemed deemed as not acceptable at all that people get away with at football um yeah is that is that something you feel like you've noticed happening 
little things starting to sort of appear where you're thinking okay we need to almost nip that in the bud immediately and some of it's very basic like within the women's game we've never really ever booed teams off pitches or booed players and that sounds like really really basic but we're doing that more and more and more now that that was side that's always been done in the men's game i mean it's that's tiny that's just it's nothing major but actually something that simple is a slight change you know, we have had that said chance, some at a women's game, which makes no sense. <laughs> but it has been sung at, uh, at Chelsea before. And I would guarantee you the person who did that had come from the men's game and they weren't playing that night and he decided to go down and watch his women's team. And he decided to sing that chant. Got removed from the ground, as he should be, because it was dealt with properly. Um, but yes, there is that always that risk Um I know people who will only take their who are looking to take their kids to football for the first time who won't take their children to a men's game because they're very fearful of what they hear and they know what football can be like. And I think we've taken a step, a couple of steps back within the men's game, um, just with all round behaviour within the men's game um, and the fan base. And that's not just us; that's every club. Um, it's definitely a problem, and it needs to be worked on. With everybody, I don't think it's, you know, just a Premier League problem. I think it's a pyramid problem. And I think, you know, everyone always looks at the Premier League, like everyone always looks at the WSL. Everyone looks at the, the very top. But actually, to change attitudes, you almost need to be looking at the very bottom and actually working your way up. And I think that's something, and grassroots is something across men's and women's is where we need to be making changes. So that people's attitudes when they go to watch games or play games are vastly different to they are now. We are going to take a quick ad break and when we come back we will talk a bit more about synergies between the women's and the men's game. So obviously you've kind of touched on men's players coming out and and that kind of thing and we're very lucky that at Chelsea Women there's a lot of players who are very open about their sexuality, really willing to talk about it. They talk about it incredibly articulately as well and are great ambassadors um, for the LGBTQ community, you know, it's something that personally makes me very proud of the club in general. Um, how do you think we kind of harness that environment that, that we have within the Chelsea women's team to promote equality across the club? Because I'm also very aware that, you know, it's amazing to see players like Magda, Penilla, like Sam, um, you know, really openly talk about their experiences and their sexuality, but... No one wants a player just to become this like person who gets wheeled out just to talk about that, right? So, so how do we find that balance between between using these ambassadors at our club to um, to kind of promote equality, but without making it everything that they're doing? At times, I don't even think it's down to the players. I think it's down to the fans because at the end of the day, there's going to be men within the game who are out to their family, their friends, possibly even their team, their management, but just not the fans. And actually, I think the changes has got to happen within the stands, not within the people who are actually living within our community, because they may be scared to come out because of the fans, because of the backlash, because of definitely within the men's game, you may not even be supported within your own crowd, let alone go into away games, do one thing wrong. We already know the sort of chance you're going to get before it's even spoken about. I would hope this day and age, we have enough allies who would stop someone. And that does happen more and more and more. We've got reporting that happens more and more and more. 
But yes, we've got a lot to learn from the women's game. Actually, our men support a lot of the women's stuff. Aspilaqueta, obviously speaking to both Magda and Peniel, which was fantastic, you know, in his support, speaking very openly about the community and would welcome, you know, a gay male football player within the Premier League. Um, and I think a lot of players would, but it comes down to the fans. And that's where education is massively key. Um, we've got massive ambassadors at our club. Um a vast number of them within the women's game who all speak very openly or have their accounts very openly showing the relationships they're in. Um, and, you know, they're always willing to speak about these issues, which is fantastic. And I've, I've never not had support when it comes from the women's side at Chelsea. Um, but there's more education that needs to be done with the fans of football. And uh, you look at fans in rugby, um, there's lots of gay people out in rugby. Fan base is extremely different. Um, we've got to get rid of the bad habits within the game and educate very, very quickly um, to change attitudes. And and how do you think that that education happens? You know, what kind of things are we looking at? Because obviously we've seen campaigns like Rainbow Laces uh, for the past couple of seasons. Um, but, you know, as you said, stuff around like the chant that's aimed at the Chelsea team, that seems to have only increased this season. You know, we've oh, seen it aimed at aimed at like Frank Lampard it, when he's not even, you know, part of the Chelsea setup anymore. Um so it's hard, right? Because I feel like I look at um how much representation has changed. And you know, we can say that rainbow laces and some flags and stuff doesn't make a difference, but like I think it does in terms of putting this stuff front and center in, in front of people's eyes. But it still feels like there's, you know, a disconnect between um, the actions that that clubs can even take on this kind of formal representational basis, and then how fans want to want to behave in grounds. And I think if you can't educate, then you need to prosecute. I think you know. I would also I would always say education first because if you've got a group of say ten ten people, one person starts a chant, and people follow. They may not even know the reason behind, but they're all joining in. They wouldn't necessarily do it when they're on their own. So you need to educate them to why what they're saying and doing is wrong to begin with. So I would always agree. I would always say that education is key first. Um, that needs to be done from our governing bodies personally. I think the FA needs to take a stronger stance in working with the clubs and maybe clubs need to actually have that same plan rather than all of their own individual plans because every club does things slightly differently. And actually, I think there'd actually be a power in everyone having exactly the same way of doing it so we could actually measure it better because everything gets reported in different ways. Two different people. You can report to a club, kick it out. You can report in many different ways, even to football v homophobia. You can report to them. But where does all this information go? We really want a true look at how bad the game is and where the changes need to happen, where the education needs to happen. We need to know a full picture. And more people do report now. So the numbers may look like they're actually getting worse, but actually it's because more people now have had enough and don't want to hear, you know, discrimination within the stands at the game. But yes, I think education needs to come from not just having these two weeks events every now and again. We need to pull out a rainbow flag when no one's expecting us to pull out a rainbow flag. We need to be talking about racism 
when no one else is talking about racism. We actually need to make sure we're highlighting these things consistently, not just because there's a campaign running. Like at the moment, Premier League's on the racism campaign for two weekends. All well and good, but racism isn't just for two weekends of the year. Like I'm just not gay for February. I'm not gay because it's rainbow laces. It's something that consistently needs to be spoken about. But of course, if anyone does want to be gay for February, it's a lovely month to be gay in. So do that as well. <laughs> yeah, some people stop drinking. You know, some people go vegetarian. You know, if they have not vote for February, then just go for it. Um, I I want to touch on, on what you're talking about there about also racism, because, you know, we know that something that I think is so important when we're, we're talking about um, equality is whilst we're talking specifically today about um you know being lgbtq and then that element of equality but the intersectionality between other campaigns is so crucial here right because all of this stuff ties together like the people who feel that it's acceptable to be homophobic at football match are the same people who feel like it's acceptable to be to be racist at football match how do we work together with um other groups who are who are fighting to to make the to make football more equal I just think it's about reaching out and collaborating together more on campaigns. Instead of making it an individual campaign about LGBTQ+, instead of making it a campaign about racism, why not make it like the equality match that we do have at Stamford Bridge? Why not make it about the whole entire bundle? The misogyny's got worse within football. Yes, if you're racist, you'll tend to be homophobic and everything else in the whole pot. You're normally not going to just pick one thing. I don't know how many times I've heard Oh, but Tracy, I'm not homophobic. My best mate's gay. Yeah, and I bet he thinks you're an idiot, to be fair. You know, I, you hear all the excuses and, oh, but it's just banter. I used to like that word. Many years ago, it was never a problem. Now it's like a thorn in my side because there's a very thin line between what is banter. And I love a bit of banter. And there's a very thin line between what that is and, and being, you know, being just, just discriminating against people for the sake of it, for the sake of a football team. Um, you wouldn't do it at work. You mostly wouldn't do it with your friends out in the streets. Why are the rules so different when you walk into a football stadium? Um, CPS now will prosecute. And they'll prosecute a lot now within football. And there's a lot more banning orders being given out. Maybe, you know, we need to get tougher on that stance so people realise that actually you just can't get away with saying these things anymore. It is just not acceptable. I want to go to a football game and watch the football and leave the stadium discussing the football game. So, you know, for the women, yay, women winning the game. For the men, possibly going to a pub and crying for an hour, <laughs> rocking myself in the corner somewhere back and forth because it's just not going right. Um at the end of the day, those are the conversations, you know, sitting on these sort of podcasts, having good conversations about football is what we want to be doing. We don't want to have to be having conversations about, you know, discrimination within the stands, but I don't see it improving. It's going to take a lot of work. And within the men's game, we've definitely gone backwards. Yeah, and it's going to be um, yeah a tough issue to, to still focus on going forward. We are going to take another quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll talk a, a little bit about the, the game itself on Sunday. So, the game on Sunday is designated football versus homophobia game. What does that mean? What can we expect? Basically, it's just a day, a day where we can actually highlight the incredible work that football via homophobia does. 
Um, they are great campaigners um, against discrimination when it comes to homophobia, biphobia and transphobia. It is their month of action. So alongside being LGBT History Month, they basically run a campaign that literally stands for, you know, promoting the game, you know, where where we can all raise the issues within the game and support actually the LGBTQ plus community who do absolutely love our game. And really good thing about the women's game is we have a vast number of our community, not just playing in the game, but actually in the stands as well. And that's one joyful thing about the women's game. It's far more inclusive. And yes, we've just had our first football through homophobia game for the men. It was the first one we've ever done. We did we did one, we sort of highlighted it last last year as well at, at the women's game. So I'll be highlighting it again. I will be down there with a nice big football homophobia flag. I will be down there with a football homophobia football. And the aim will be to get people within the stands holding those flags, supporting the campaign, if they want having their pictures taken and actually celebrating this all online so everyone can see that actually the fan base at Kings Meadow is extremely inclusive. Um, that would be something I will be doing on Sunday, as well as keeping an eye on all the football that's being played everywhere. So I'm basically just not going to sleep on one eye on one direction and one eye on another direction. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. But actually, yeah, it's just about, you know, raising awareness uh, of, of the community that we live in. Yeah, you're going to be like the, the Duracell bunny at Kings Meadow on Sunday, I reckon. Um, yes. Yeah, I think also something that's really important that, that you said there is about, like, joy. And I think, you know, it's very easy when we have these conversations to to focus on the negatives. But it's really important, right, for, for us to say that, like, being a LGBT football fan and then being part of Chelsea is a lot of fun and can be a lot of fun, um, even though sometimes shit stuff happens as well. Uh, there's... The, especially on the women's side, you know, it is a really fun and a, a really exciting community. I think, you know, I it is very negative. Definitely within the men's game, it's, it's very negative at times. I actually find it much more enjoyable, not just to go to Kings Meadow because the football is better. Um, but <laughs> well, <that> helps. <laughs> actually, it does help. Um, but actually, the community down there is very warm and welcoming. And actually, yes, as much as we can discuss time and time again the negatives and the discrimination and what we need to improve. We do have to also rejoice in the fact that we do have a fantastic LGBTQ plus football loving community and actually, you know, be proud of who you are. Um, our players are, which is fantastic, you know, and you don't actually have to be part of the community. Our allies are hugely important. So actually, you know, Sunday for me is about celebration of the, of the community and actually looking at the positives that you know our community can bring and just being their unique authentic selves because that is vitally important and i i we're going to finish off because i'm going to have to ask you about the game on sunday because i'd be remiss to have you on the podcast and not get your opinions on the actual football because as you said we do want to talk about football too um but before we get to that bit i just want to ask you for people who've who've listened to this who maybe know a bit about the work you've done but have kind of found out more about it here and want to get involved want to help want to support um what are the ways that people people can get involved and and kind of work on this stuff so obviously, and most people follow us on Twitter, mostly our biggest place that people follow us. Um, so Chelsea Pride underscore. You can message us via there. 
you can email us at info gmail.com so you can always email us even if it's just uh your work's great or anything i can do to help or you know anything you know could you help me in any way we do on the other occasion get emails from people who have just come out who are worried about going to football love football want to feel safe going to football um and may want to you know meet up beforehand or actually you know come and sit with people they feel safe with we would always be willing to do that across both the men's and women's game far easier at the women's game um to do that than the men's um but you know just reach out you know tweet us if you want at the end of the day we are we are there to be supportive of our community who support our great club um in every way and that's the whole club even if one half of the club is not doing so well at the moment <laughs> whole club yeah. <laughs> okay let's let's talk a bit about the football because um i know everyone loves listening to your opinions so we we have to get some football opinions as well um how are you feeling about uh sunday obviously yeah chelsea arsenal fa cup fifth round two o'clock kickoff at king's meadow off the back of an international break um what what are you feeling are you feeling nervous uh i don't like the fact it's on the back of an international break that's that's point one I am confident because we're at home. I do think that 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 little edge is always great. Um, you know, we have a very strong team. Um, I think we're pushing in the right direction. I actually think we're getting better and better. Um, I do think it was jinxed. I swear this was a fix that we even got them in, in this round of the FA Cup. Um, I personally think that should be investigated. Um <laughs> We've got a lot of football coming up. We're going to need to use the whole entire squad. There is a lot of football happening. And yeah, I'm actually I'm actually quietly confident. Um Yeah, quietly confident this weekend. Okay. For, the, for the women. For the women, I am quietly confident this weekend. It could be a devastating weekend just generally. I feel like that do you feel like there's extra pressure at the moment on the women's team to, you know, drag us all along to keep our heads afloat as we you know risk drowning in Chelsea tears actually it's quite even far as the men's game is concerned Spurs men haven't exactly been flying at the moment anyway we do tend to turn up against Spurs I'm really hoping that happens um actually I'm I'm quietly confident we'll get something out of the men's game as well Oh, you're you're going for a very positive weekend. I love this. Is the effect of football v homophobia on the weekend? <laughs> so no, I am I am quietly confident that we'll get something out of the men's. I'm even more confident we'll get something out of the women's. So um, I already have a score in my head. I've had in my head for the last three weeks, and it hasn't changed for the women's game. So well, I'm going to have to ask you what that is. Three one us. Three one. Okay, you think we're going to get we're going to get the goals banging in, huh? Yes. Have you got goal scorers in your mind? Is this a whole? Vision? I do. I I I have two assists in mind. Assists, interesting. Yes, I know because I was thinking of how they were going to go in. I think two of them are going to be from set plays, so that's where okay. Aaron and and Guru come in um, right. to uh, to the assists. Goal scorers. That's always tricky for me because you don't know who was going to play, and <laughs> Sam is just coming back from Oz, so you know it. it you know, Lauren is on fire right now. Let's just talk about Lauren individually. Oh, even in a lioness's top. I mean, unstoppable. And she's ours, which is so special. Um, she's gonna be she's gonna be one of those three for sure. 
Yeah, um, it's been. I mean, Erin had a great uh, corner for for Scotland against yes, Wales. That was unfortunately for you, painful for but... me to watch. Oh, <laughs> painful! I was, I was like, oh. All I kept thinking was, do not injure each other, Erin, Sophie. Stay away from each other because we need you together, not injuring each other. Just stay away from each other, which they did. Thank God. Yeah, and um, Lauren has definitely been unreal. I think. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm fully biased, but the best English player oh, at the moment. Obviously. <laughs> it, it was interesting because obviously Emma Hayes had to pick the player of the match. And she was like, well, you know, she's mine, Lauren, Lauren. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I may sound biased in my opinion, but it's Lauren. <laughs> but we were like, it's Lauren. Yes, it's I Lauren. mean, it is hard to argue with that one, to be honest, given, yeah. given the performances. Um, and... Also, I just want to touch on as well, lots of games coming up, obviously, too. Uh, how are you feeling about the post-international break run? We've got a big run. I mean, you know, with a final thrown in that mix, you know, with Brighton and Man United. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of football. There's a lot of football. Rotation. Rotation, rotation, rotation. And we cannot afford, and this is a big one, to pick up injuries. Hmm. So keeping everyone fit um, and keeping the energy levels up is something I'm glad I don't have to try and do. But well done, Emma, on that one. Um, no, we have to take it game by game. I think you realistically, and I think every manager would say they're not looking three games ahead anyway. They are looking um, game by game. You know, we can only focus on this Sunday. It's a massive game. We do like winning against Arsenal in the FA Cup. Um, so let's keep that going. Um, and then we then we move on. There's like there's too many Arsenal games, my liking at the moment. Um, but you know what? They've taken a little slip. So uh, let's hope that continues. I know. I don't understand Arsenal after the international break as well. Like Arsenal, 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 Arsenal in January, Arsenal now. Arsenal. It's, it's a lot of Arsenal. I don't even. I don't want to be seeing this much of Arsenal. To be fair, um, I actually think. In all honesty, I think the game against Man United will mostly be harder than the games against Arsenal. Well, especially after um, Ella Toon managed to make herself available for that one. Yes, that, that's a whole separate podcast to discuss that situation. Um, so is that what we should do? Ella Toon's red card podcast? Yes, I mean, break. I mean, really? I mean, really? I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd have to bleep a lot out of what I would need to say. <laughs> It would just be bleep the whole way along the conversation, in all honesty. Yes, admittedly, it wasn't like she literally went in and headbutted her or anything. But I mean, uh, the FA, seriously, who who decided the whole... No, yep, need a whole separate podcast. I'm looking forward for uh, anyone who kind of tries to exaggerate uh, anything against Chelsea, which we know definitely happens, um, to be, be given Let's two be... game bans as well. Let's be fair. We would never get anything overturned if it was us. Let's be fair there. 100%. It would never happen. Men's or women's, anything happened. We had red cards left, right and centre. We'd never get them rescinded in a million years because we're Chelsea. You know what? We don't care. We'll rise above that. 
Absolutely. I mean, that is just a good a good motto for for everything, you know, to to rise above and go whether it whether it's working, you know, to create equality in the game, rise above it. Whether it's unfair decisions from the FA, rise above it. <laughs> and if it's winning against Arsenal this weekend, and you know, going to win the FA Cup again, we'll just keep rising above it. So that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love your confidence. I love that three one prediction. Um, we're going to do a preview episode later in the week, so I've got some more time to think about predictions. But international breaks just give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, so yeah. I just we um, just need this. We just need everyone back now at Cobham, back together. That's what we need. Everyone refocused. You know, inter- I just international breaks are, are painful at times. Um, but uh, as we were discussing before we started this podcast, at the end of the day. Next round, Sam is not leaving the country and is at home, so there's always a benefit to not having to fly. I'm sure she's in a comfortable bed on a plane anyway, you know, covered up in first class. It's not like she's cattle at the back of a plane. (laughs) However, jet lag can be very annoying to some people. You should think she's used to this by now, um, but we need her fighting on all cylinders because she has improved and consistently keeps improving as the season goes on. Yeah. And one good thing I think to take from from the international break is we've seen like quite a few players who maybe haven't had as many minutes for Chelsea recently getting international minutes and thinking Marimielda, Magda Eriksson, um, always good to see. And, and as Tracy's saying, you know, it's going to be so, so important to to keep everyone fit, to be rotating uh, players in and out, because um, I will just touch on the schedule now for anyone who's been been living under a rock um our next games are Arsenal in the FA Cup on Sunday, uh, Arsenal in the Conti Cup on Sunday the 5th of March. Uh, then we've got a midweek home game against Brighton at 7.30 on Wednesday the 8th of March. Um, United visit Kings Meadow on the 12th for an early kickoff. Uh, then I believe there may be another, if we do beat Arsenal, there might be another FA Cup game uh, in the in the middle before we head to Lyon. Then we go to Manchester and then Lyon come to us. Easy. A absolutely and utterly ridiculous run of games. Now, if we can get through that lot, we deserve to win every damn competition there is to win because that is going to take every ounce of every player and backroom staff member and the fans to get us through every single one of those games. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that that Chelsea aren't playing, you know, this season on easy mode this year, whether it's, you know, starting with a three-point deficit from from losing to Liverpool to some of the draws we've got. We don't discuss that game. We started the week later than everyone else. We don't (laughs) need to discuss that game. That's all it was. That's all it was. Um, But yeah, I mean... There's definitely, there's going to be a, a lot to be keeping up with. Um, we're really excited. The boys are going to be over for the for the Conti Cup final. So that's going to be, oh, that's going to be really good fun. Uh, some good, some good pints, hopefully, to celebrate our, our win after we, after we watch that one. Um, but yeah, obviously, we're going to be here covering all the games, previewing a lot of them, I think, because there's going to be so much to talk uh, ahead of each one. <laughs> um, so get used to the sound of my voice if you haven't already, because um, there's there's a lot more to come. But Tracy, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, hopefully I'll see you on King, at King's Meadow on Sunday. Hopefully everyone else will come up to you and get pictures with the football and the flags. And... We, will, we will try to get everyone, you know, you know, supporting the campaign. Uh, I need to get you with that that ball and that flag as well anyway so I'll be hunting you down as well 
on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, just keep loving our football team and everything it represents. Our club is a club that's really pushing ahead um, with its equality work. Um, it's no to hate campaign. It's huge, backed massively by the Chelsea Foundation. A lot of hard work does, does go on behind the scenes that people don't see. It isn't just about two football teams and an academy. Um, it's There's a lot happening within the club and they are striving to make big changes within the game. So um, we'll consistently keep campaigning with them and collaborating with them. Um, and yeah, that's just trying to make this club you know, even bigger and better than it actually is. Yeah, we are very, very lucky to have a, a club that really cares about this stuff, players that really care, and people like Tracy uh, working to fight the good fight. Um, we'll be back later in the week with a Chelsea-Arsenal more detailed preview. Um, but until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>